on this edition of the Iowa Business Report. So this is actually potentially a massive wealth transfer from the private sector to the public sector. Credibility and confidence, two things that any monetary system and those governing it need. One economist says, though, our current Fed may be lacking both. How we feel about brand names may depend on where we stand politically. And in our business profile, we'll introduce you to a company that chose Iowa for its manufacturing of a wintertime product. This is the Iowa Business Report for the third weekend of September 2023. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. Here is Jeff Stein. The Federal Reserve meets again this coming Tuesday and Wednesday. And while another interest rate increase is possible, there are broader issues to be addressed. That's according to Alexander Salter, an associate professor of economics at Texas Tech University. He wrote recently for the American Institute for Economic Research website on the possibility of the Fed changing its target for inflation, and he tells why that is a very bad idea. The Federal Reserve has what's called a dual mandate from Congress. They're responsible for maintaining full employment and stable prices. Historically, the Fed has interpreted that to mean about 2% inflation each year. Now, the Federal Reserve recently changed its own target for its monetary policy goals. They've embraced what they call average inflation targeting. So rather than trying to hit 2% inflation each year, they're now trying to hit 2% inflation on average over the long run. And that's a bit of a double-edged sword because if they actually do their job well, it does create greater predictability about the dollar's purchasing power over, say, a 30-year time horizon, which is conducive to long-term planning and investment. But if they're not credible, if, for example, the target is asymmetric, if it turns out that they're willing to tolerate high inflation, higher than 2%, but not lower than 2% inflation, then we're off to the races. Then the purchasing power of the dollar actually becomes significantly less predictable. And based on what we've seen since the COVID-19 crisis, it does appear that the Fed is okay with significantly above 2% inflation, but it's not going to be able to muster the willpower to create less than 2% inflation. So that means that there is a huge range in terms of the dollar's purchasing power that could exist over the next 5, 10, 15 years, and that's not good for long-term economic stability and growth. The credibility issue is so important, is it not? Because to my way of thinking, consumers and markets alike, perhaps for different reasons, like a level of certainty. But if the board that is handling monetary policy does not have credibility with either of those constituencies, we do have a real problem, do we not? Absolutely. We have a fiat money standard in the United States, which basically means it's the central bank's job, unique responsibility to anchor everybody's expectations and commit credibly to a specific purchasing power for the dollar. Since we don't have a commodity to tie down the price of dollars, the only thing that can do it really is the credibility of the central bank. And if market participants don't find the Fed credible, they're going to bake in higher inflation expectations into the contracts that they write including financial contracts, contracts which are crucial for allocating capital and creating long-run growth. And now we have the risk of a mismatch between what the Fed is publicly saying 
and what markets think the Fed can actually deliver on. And that can be enormously economically costly. With regard to the contracts that you're talking about, let's say, for example, I'm a manufacturer. I know what it costs me for goods right now. I know what it costs to produce them because of labor, etc. But if I don't have certainty about what those costs would be going forward, if I engage in a multi-year contract, for example, I'm going to bake in a pretty good increase to make sure I cover my costs, not just my margin that I want, but to make sure my margin doesn't decrease. And this starts to spiral out of control with regard to higher costs and further inflation, does it not? Yeah. The fact that markets can expect one thing and the Fed can only deliver another really does throw a wrench into the gears of economic activity. If I can make money assuming a 5% rate of return over a span of years, and all of a sudden the central bank creates a bunch of unexpected inflation, then inflation in just terms, I could very well lose money even while making the rate of return that I thought that I wanted to make. And so now, knowing that the central bank could actually deliver unexpected monetary policy or do something to try and goose the economy, I have to spend time and effort trying to outguess the Fed, try and figure out what they're thinking, try and figure out what they're doing. And all those resources, time, effort, attention that I devote to Fed watching could be used to do other things. It's not a good thing for the financial sector, especially to spend so much effort trying to outguess the Fed. Things would be much better off if the Federal Reserve would simply announce a clear and predictable target rule for monetary policy, meaning what they actually want to happen to the purchasing power of the dollar on a yearly basis, and then hit that target. Because then we could use all those saved resources that we spend trying to Fed watch and outguess the central bankers to get other things. Look at the housing market and how depressed it is now compared to a year ago, and look at people who now, to your point, have missed the opportunity that a house could have sold for a higher price because of lower mortgage a year ago, but you just raise that mortgage rate a quarter, a half a point, amortize that out if somebody pays a 30-year mortgage monthly as opposed to prepaying. That's significant money over the course of time. It really is. And in some ways, this is actually testimony against interest for me. Since uh, mortgage rates are now 7%, and I refinanced a couple of years ago at 265 So on that specific issue, I'm doing pretty well. And the bank that owns my note, they don't like it so much. (laughs) Now, great, that's worked out for me personally, but that doesn't mean that it's working out for all consumers. And it's certainly not working out for all banks. We would rather have expectational stability. If we could just have some reasonable certainty about what the purchasing power of our money would be, we wouldn't have to play these guessing games and we could spend more time actually producing the goods and services on which our livelihoods all depend. It also means that you're not going to be in the market for a new home anytime soon because you're not going to get two point whatever percent. Even if you were thinking about moving to a different house, the dynamic is just very different and you can't afford to move in that respect. It's interesting to think about the locational aspects. You're right. In that sense, because the monetary policy authorities have dropped the ball, they might actually create economic costs in other areas that are not as easy to perceive. Think about the reduced mobility of workers that you just talked about. Obviously, we're all richer if we can allocate labor to its highest value uses. That means that people are going to change towns, change states to find a job that's best for them. That's much harder to do with mortgage markets looking the way they are. So insofar as Fed policy, because it created a bunch of costly, unanticipated inflation 
is now making labor market adjustments that could happen too costly to work out, yeah, that's another variable that we have to worry about. The article that you recently wrote talks about the change in Fed target, potential change in Fed target, something people are advocating from 2 to 3%. That doesn't sound like a lot, I suppose, just off the top of one's head, but that has serious ramifications, does it not? If the Fed were to all of a sudden, my term not yours, come out at its next meeting and say, you know, we've been angling for 2% inflation, we're changing that to 3 What's the downside of that in terms of beyond simply their lack of credibility, which we've already discussed? You're right. Point one is credibility. When the going got tough, the Federal Reserve said, we're not going to fully undo our mistakes. We're just going to mostly undo them and call that the new normal. Well, if that happens this time, the next time there's a crisis, and of course there's going to be a crisis, what's to stop them from saying, ah, this time 4% is good enough, maybe 5% is good enough. So the ratchet never ends. Of course, in terms of the dollar's long-run purchasing power, there are concerns there too. With a 2% inflation target, the dollar will lose half of its purchasing power in 35 years. With a 3% inflation target, the dollar will lose half of its purchasing power in only 23 years, 23 and change. So that's a significant time horizon, right? That's about half of a generation, and that could significantly affect economic plans. And again, you have to worry about the consequences for investments, especially when you take into consideration how the tax code affects incentives to save and invest. Many important forms of taxes, like capital gains taxes, are not indexed to inflation. When inflation gets higher, all of the numbers in the market go up. Incomes go up, asset prices go up, but if they're not indexed to inflation, that means that when prices go up because of inflation, Uncle Sam is actually taking a larger chunk of the productive sector's resources when it taxes. So this is actually potentially a massive wealth transfer from the private sector to the public sector. And insofar as you're worried about the public sector's lack of incentives to put resources to effective, efficient uses, this could really serve as a drag on long-term economic growth. There's really no good argument for changing the inflation target from 2% to 3%. It's the Federal Reserve raising the white flag of surrender. There's no reason why we should not expect the Fed to get back to its historic target of 2%. If they had picked 3% initially, we might be having a very different conversation. But given that they picked 2% and given that markets expected the rule to be something like 2% for years, the most cherished asset of the monetary policy authority is its credibility to hit that target going forward. We got to restore that before we can talk about anything else. Economics Professor Alexander Salter of Texas Tech. We connected via Zoom on Monday, September 11. More about the professor and links to his articles can be found at awsalter.com. Still to come, blue brands and red brands. And later, a product that will not leave you on thin ice. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. Make plans to attend the annual Camp Courageous Pancake Breakfast and Open House Sunday, September 24th from 8 a.m. until noon at the Camp Courageous Main Lodge. Then stay for the dedication of the Bud and Georgia Johnson Accessible Miniature Golf Course at 12.30 p.m. Enjoy pancakes and pork sausage and tour this unique facility. See you for the Pancake Breakfast at Open House Sunday, September 24th at Camp Courageous near Monticello, Iowa. CampCourageous.org 
Support for the Iowa Business Report comes from the Iowa Business Council, a nonpartisan nonprofit organization working to elevate Iowa's economy through leadership, research, and advocacy. Learn more and review the latest quarterly member survey by going to iowabusinesscouncil.org. Increasingly, businesses are concerned about being canceled or boycotted due to political positions. A group called Engagement Labs released a report last month based on consumer conversation data for nearly 500 products and brands. They determined that nearly a quarter of the conversation broke down along political lines. In other words, 23% of the brands saw wide disparity between approval levels depending on which major political party the consumer supported. DiGiorno Pizza, Vanguard Investments, Silk Soy Milk, TrackPhone, Pfizer, and Venmo were all far more popular among Democrats than Republicans. Conversely, Olive Garden, Red Lobster, Holiday Inn, Jif Peanut Butter, Hobby Lobby, and Swiffer were viewed quite positively by Republicans as opposed to Democrats. But one of the brands in the news over the past year, Disney, was still viewed positively by both sides. 67% of Democrats, 59% of Republicans had a positive opinion of the Disney brand. Coming up, wintertime recreation made in Iowa. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. In football, every win counts. That's why the Cyclone and Hawkeye football teams rely on cleaner-burning biodiesel to power their game day buses. Made from soybeans grown right here in Iowa, biodiesel is helping to power college athletics, enhance our environment, and support Iowa farmers. This message was brought to you by the Iowa Soybean Association, driven to deliver for Iowa's 40,000 soybean farmers. Visit IASoybeans.com to learn more about biodiesel's impact on football and the farmers who make it possible. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advanced Peer Groups, hosting informational meetings about their fall launch of peer sessions. The next meetings will be held in the Cedar Valley this coming Wednesday, September 20th. To register or to get more information, go to AdvanceIowa.com. Tim Harwood of IBR affiliate KXEL is also Vice President of Communications for the Waterloo Blackhawks of the United States Hockey League. We profiled the team and its business a few years ago. He shared with us a conversation about a business based in New England that is using a trio of eastern Iowa businesses to manufacture its unique product. Brian Packard is founder and CEO of Yard Rink, and he told him how the idea for the business came to be. North of Boston, where I live, outdoor hockey is a bit of a religion. Every third house seems to have a rink in their backyard. And this was news to me as I moved from the Midwest to the East Coast. And I saw really, really beautiful homes with really uh, not so beautiful rinks in their backyards and front yards. And this was a number of years ago. And I'm from a family of entrepreneurs. And I thought there might be an opportunity here to come up with a better design. The real idea back then when we were coming up with the concept was to broaden the sport, to make the sport more accessible for more families across the country, to make it as ubiquitous as a backyard playground or a basketball hoop in your driveway. 
So five or six years ago, a colleague and I, I called the smartest guy that I know, who's a double PhD out of uh, Caltech and MIT. And we came up with this concept for Yardrink. Over the last six years or so, we worked on the patents and we worked on the supply chain. We worked on the manufacturing and we optimized the product to the point that we were ready to launch last winter to really, really great results. And we were excited by the feedback that we got. So we sort of went all in. And this year is our, our second season. We have announced just last week a relationship with the National Hockey League, where we have become an official licensed product of the National Hockey League. We are their backyard rink. And that's going to allow kids in the Boston area, for example, to customize their rink with Boston Bruins logos. And this is really about creating more joy and, and access to a sport that uh, is growing at a very rapid rate. And we really scoured the globe for an extrusion blow molding manufacturer this is a technique where you take hot plastic and you form it into the shapes that you'd like, much like you would your milk carton. We have large panels that are hard to mold and they have demanding requirements. Our panels are locked together, filled with water and frozen. And so we had to find a manufacturer that had the capabilities to be able to make these large panels at scale cost effectively. And we were lucky enough to find a company called Custom Pack in Clinton, Iowa. And the bonus was Custom Pack also in DeWitt, Iowa, has a fulfillment and shipping operation, a large warehouse. So we actually do our panel manufacturing and all of our fulfillment for our website, yardrink.com, out of the DeWitt warehouse. So it was really a great match. They've been with us since the very beginning and through now a uh, high growth phase. You can imagine these rinks are anywhere from 20 by 40 feet to 50 by 100 feet. And so they ship on pallets, right? They're very large. And we're shipping them from Clinton to New England, to the upper Midwest, uh, Colorado, all throughout Canada. And so the logistics and supply chain is really an important component of our business model, cost effectively getting these rinks within five days from the placement of an order to their front doorstep. And so it was really important for us to combine our fulfillment and logistics where we do all of our panel manufacturing and final assembly. And that's really what drove us to Custom Pack. They've really been a terrific partner for us. And what we have found is that there are sort of two groups. There's the family with a couple of young kids, four, five, six, and six, seven, eight. They're buying a rink that tends to be in that smaller range, 20 by 40 or so. That's one of our best-selling rinks. And then 40 by 60 is great for families with older kids, teenage kids who want to play a game of three-on-three pickup. It's a little bit more robust size-wise, allowing them to skate around. This is the first year that we're offering rinks as large as 50 by 100. So we're looking forward to seeing what kind of customer purchases those. All of our rinks other than those two sizes I just mentioned are custom sized. And because our tarp is the same exact size and shape as the rink, it has to be custom made, it's bespoke. And our custom tarps are made from the moment that a consumer places their order. And that component is manufactured internationally and then drop shipped directly to the consumer. So you can imagine the supply chain complexities in getting a 50 by 100 custom made tarp shipped from overseas uh, to the United States. So it's been a challenge that took a while to overcome. And we've really got the, the kinks ironed out and uh, a very, very effective uh, response time now with our customers.
we really believe that there is an opportunity to double, triple, even quadruple the market size by going into markets that are cold enough, but are not necessarily hockey towns. We're starting to see it in little clusters around the country. And so our goal was really to make this easy enough and convenient enough to just remove the hurdles to putting a rink in one's backyard. You know, there's a lot of things in our favor. Hockey is a fast growing sport right now. We're very much aligned with the NHL, which is, as you know, through its three outdoor hockey programs, bringing hockey back to the outside and into stadiums where hockey started, right? It started on ponds. And so there's a movement afoot really pushed by the NHL to expand the game of hockey, where it's played, how often it's played, you know, at least in Massachusetts. And I think this is a, a statement that is applicable for most of the country. Ice time is really difficult to get. If you have a kid who has played hockey, you're on the ice at five in the morning, or nine o'clock at night, it's very, very expensive. And when you get on that professional rink, you're usually just doing drills with your team or playing scrimmages. So it doesn't allow for as much time to do puck and stick drills, really enhancing your own skill set and having fun, right? You know, learning tricks and learning how to, to master your slap shot or your wrister. What we hope is to tap into those people who have said, yes, boy, that does sound interesting to me, but I've so far been a little bit intimidated. Brian Packard, founder and CEO of Yard Rink. In addition to manufacturing in Clinton and fulfilling orders in DeWitt, Packard said some of the pre-assembly is done by Skyline of Clinton, which counts individuals with special needs among its workforce. Learn more about the product online at yardrink.com. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to TotallyIowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa, providing business solutions and support to small to medium-sized businesses. Let's work together. More at AdvanceIowa.com and search for Advance Iowa on LinkedIn and Facebook. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com.